Let's spend uh, just a, a brief second in prayer. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Form our hearts through your word, by your spirit, through the amazing work of our Savior Jesus, and through your fatherly love. Form our hearts to live the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for Ronnie, a faithful servant. Comfort Lynn, family, friends. Comfort us. We miss Ronnie and Will. We thank you for people here right now who he led to faith and he taught to share their faith. We give you thanks for a life well lived. Father, as we open your word, equip, equip us to live by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, we start a brand new series, and it's actually the longest series of the year. It's going to be nine weeks, and we're going to look at the one story of the Bible. We'll start this week with uh, creation. For two more weeks, we'll look at the first chapter of the Bible, creation. Where did everything come from? And then we'll look for two weeks at the fall. What went wrong? And then the The third week, or the third chapter, for two weeks, we'll look at redemption. What could be done about it? And then for the last two weeks, we'll look at chapter four, consummation. Where is everything headed? And so I really encourage you to to continue to worship and to be a part of a small group during this series because we want to equip you to be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. But we also want to equip you with a really special disciple-making skill. And it's a skill that Jesus demonstrated throughout his entire ministry. And and I want to demonstrate that skill for you. So I'm going to ask Wendy to come up. Yes, Wendy Leyland. Yep, thank you. And so now, Wendy, can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite ice cream? Jesus. (laughs) No, really. What's your favorite ice cream? Um, My favorite ice cream. Great question. Um, Chocolate mint chip. Chocolate mint chip. Okay. Now, what's your uh, favorite place in the world you've ever visited? Kenya. (laughs) It's amazing. And then one last question. Where do you think everything came from? Jesus. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, so Dave asked the question, the answer has to either be Jesus or small group. One of those two. (sighs) Jesus asked over 300 questions recorded in the Gospels. More than 300 times in the Gospel, Jesus asked people questions. He answered, he gave a direct answer to a question twice. Think about that. What a disciple-making skill to learn how to ask questions. 
and then to have the humility just to sit and listen to the answer, right or wrong, to learn to value and love people enough to to ask them questions and then listen to their response. You have no idea the disciple-making opportunities that will come if we begin to learn that skill. And that's what we want to do throughout the series. Each week, we're going to challenge you to go out and ask a question. And this week's question was what I asked Wendy. Where do you think everything came from? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Where did everything come from? Now imagine if you were a 12-year-old boy and you're standing with your family on the plains of Moab just to the east of the Jordan River. And for, the, for all your life, your, your people, the Israelite people, have been wandering in the wilderness. And in fact, for all of your father's life, your people have been wandering in the wilderness. And as you stand on the plains of Moab, you've heard that now the time is coming when you're going to cross the Jordan and enter into this land that God had promised you and your people. But you have questions. You've been asking questions like, where where did everything come from? And, And what went wrong? And where is everything going? You've been asking questions and And you've heard stories. You've heard stories from from back in Egypt of where things came from. And and you've heard stories told in Mesopotamia of where things came from. And, And you've even heard stories that the people who are living in Canaan believe about where everything came from. And you're 12 years old. And and you kind of like their stories. Their stories of, of the gods fighting against one another. Their stories of the God of war and the God of the sun and the God of the fire. They're exciting stories. You're 12 years old. You think that's pretty neat. Or so you think. Now imagine if you're a 12-year-old girl and you're living today. And you're sitting in your 7th grade class in middle school. And you're asking questions. Where did I come from? And what went wrong? And, and can anything be done about it? And where is this whole thing heading? And you've been listening to stories, and there are stories about identifying yourself and, and going your own way and, and setting aside constraints and living free. And those stories seem to make sense. I mean, aren't we, after all, just random acts of nature governed by chance and and a timeless universe? Or so you think. And then somebody stood on the plains of Moab. And then someone spoke today. And they said, there's a better story. There's a story that stands against all the myths of the ancient world. And there's a story that stands against all the myths of today's modern world. It's a story of a God who made everything from nothing, and it was good. 
In Genesis 1-1, we begin, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That everything visible, matter, space, time, all of it was made by God. Genesis 1, God is named 35 times from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. 34 verses, 35 times God is named. Elohim, God created the heavens and the earth. There was a time when there was nothing, but there never has been a time when God was not. He is God. Omnipotent, all-powerful. He is God who made all things from nothing. He's God who created. It's the Hebrew word bara. It's only used with God as its subject. Only God baras. Only God creates from nothing. It points to the fact that this all-powerful God, He alone has the ability to create. We can make, fashion, form, but we can't create. God alone baras. God creates. And God creates all things, the heavens and the earth. And in this one verse, Genesis 1-1, all the myths of history, ancient history and modern history, are refuted. The myth of atheism is refuted because it says there is a God. It doesn't defend Him. It assumes His existence. It begins, God created the heavens and the earth. Pantheism is refuted because the God who created all things is over-transcendent above all of His creation. It refutes polytheism because there is one God who made all things. It refutes humanism because God is the source of reality and all things, not man. It refutes materialism because there was a time when there was nothing and God spoke and everything came into existence. Matter is not eternal. God is eternal. It refutes evolution because God made all things. It refutes dualism because God didn't outsource creation. He created and it was good. And it refutes deism because it says God spoke. A personal God engaged with all that he made. And he spoke into being. And then he spoke to his, be, to his creation. And he said, blessed, multiply. All the ancient myths and all the modern myths are refuted in one Verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so if you ask me, Dave, what do you believe about creation? I would say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, well, how would you interpret Genesis 1-1? What does it say? It says that God made everything from nothing and it was good. I could do 
very, not much better than what the Westminster Confession says. What is the work of creation? The work of creation is God's making all things from nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. The story of creation continues. Verse 2, the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning one day. Day one, God created all things, matter, space, time. And in this matter, space, time universe, things were formless and void. And God began on the first day taking that which was formless and giving it form. And taking that which was void, he would eventually fill his creation with creatures for his glory. God spoke from this formless void he begins to fashion the universe together. He separates light from darkness. He calls the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. You say, well, what type of day was it? And I believe it was a day just like our days, a 24-hour solar day, a day that included an evening and a morning. The only time that the Hebrew word yom is ever used with a number, first day, second day, third day, fourth day. It's always used literally as a 24-hour day. And so I think that it's a 24-hour day. If you, if you were going to communicate to a people that your God made all things from nothing in six literal days, how would you say it? You would say there was evening, there was morning, the first day. The plain and, and simple meaning of the passage that anyone would believe if they just read the verse would, is that it was a 24-hour period of time. Not only that, these six days put together lead to the seventh day. And in Exodus chapter 20, when God commands us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, he says, for God made all things in six days and rested on the seventh. Exodus 20 is inviting us to live after the fashion of God, six days of labor and one day of rest taken together to make up a real week. So the plain and simple meaning of this scripture is that the Bible teaches that God made all things from nothing in six days, and it was good. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the water from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. 
God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. On day two of creation, God continues his work of preparing this formless place to become a place of structure where then the void place could be filled. And so on day two of creation, he begins to form out of all that he had made on day one, he forms the area above into space. And he forms the sky, the atmosphere, and he forms the world. God begins this great work of preparing the formless place to be a place that he could fill. There was evening, there was morning, a second day. And then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, and with the seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, the trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. So on the third day, God finishes his work of turning that which was formless into a place with both space and sky and water and land. And he begins to then fill this world that he had made. He begins to fill it. And first, he fills the land with vegetation. And we're introduced to a new word on day three. And it's the word kind. It's the word kind. And it refers to the fact that God made everything after its own type, a kind. It's used ten times in the rest of chapter one of Genesis. And it teaches that when God made everything, he made each thing with a distinct set of information to allow it to reproduce after its kind. Where did the information come from? How was it programmed into each living creature? It came from God, who created and placed within his creation the information needed to allow things to reproduce, not across kinds, but after their own kind. And so it continues on day I've lost track of what day, but four. Day four? Thank you. Day four. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. 
So in the sky above that God had fashioned on the first day, he then sets into that lights to govern that space. And those lights that would govern the the space would be the sun and the moon and the stars. That the sun and the moon would be the governors of the light and the darkness. That they would be the ones who would mark the seasons that all the vegetation of the earth would would follow and and that the seasons would be a gift to mankind so that we might know how to do our work. And the sun and the moon govern those spaces. And what kind of God are we dealing with? A God who makes the stars also. God who says, the stars, I made those too. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. So God moves his attention on the fifth day to the, to the sky and the seas. And he places within the sky those creatures suitable to the sky, the birds of the air. And he places in the sea the kinds suitable to the seas, the fish. And he calls them and he says, multiply. Fill the the sky and fill the sea. And it it was so. And God said, it's good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. So on the the land, God creates and places on the land creatures that the cattle the, the creatures that could be domesticated and the creeping things, snakes and reptiles and such. And then he makes the wild beasts, the, the animals that can't be domesticated, and these are, are multiplying after their kind on the land portions of the earth that God made. And then, oh man, I hope I don't need those later. Um, then, get this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I've given you every plant for yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree with its fruit yielding seed, and it shall be food for you. To every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So on the sixth day, God's final creative work is to bring forth man, male and female. And man, male and female, wasn't created after a kind. We were made after God's image. We were designed by God for a special purpose, to have dominion over all that God had made. He tells us to rule over the earth, to subdue it. We're given a high place, a place where we're told we're created in the image of God, a place where we're called to rule and have dominion, which doesn't mean waste the resources of the earth, but steward the resources of the earth made by our Creator. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He says, you, you are high, you're unique, you're special, you're made in the image of God. But he also says, you're humble. You're dependent upon me for your food. I've given you all the vegetation of the earth to be for you food. Oh, you're high. You're going to have dominion. You're going to subdue the earth. You're going to rule over the earth. But oh, don't ever forget, you're humble. You're humble. You're dependent upon me. God looked at all he had made on the sixth day, and he said, not it was good, but it was very good. Something special has happened. All that which was formless was formed. Space, sky, water, land, and all that was void has now been filled with creatures who will multiply and fill the sky and the sea and the land. And over all those creatures, in the highest position, God created man, male and female. And he said, it's very good when my image bearers rule in dependence upon me. It is very good when my people are both high and humble. But man didn't stay in the rest that God fashioned for him. He wasn't content to rest with God on the seventh day. Thus the heavens and earth were completed and all their hosts By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because he had given dominion to his creature, his image bearer, 
man. He rested because he gave to man the the job of working six days and resting one day. And through that cycle of rest and work, to have dominion over all things depended upon him. But man didn't stay in the rest. Man wasn't content to stay at the work God had given him. Man wasn't content with the high place. He wasn't content with the low place of humility. And he transgressed. See, why is creation so important? Because without creation, you can't understand the gospel. And if you can't understand the gospel, then we're lost. Creation makes the gospel understandable to us. So in Romans chapter 5, Verse 18 and 19, we read this. So then, through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Adam The man created in the image of God, this high but humble man, transgressed. He stepped out of the order that God created him to live in. And when Adam stepped out, when he transgressed, death and condemnation came to all men. The high and humble one stepped out. And he became low and lost. The high and humble became low and lost until someone else came. And his name was Jesus. God the Son, who had been with God the Father in creation, stepped into his creation and took upon himself humanity. The highest one took on humanity, and lived as man was designed to live with highness, beauty, glory. He exercised dominion over the creation. When he spoke, the sea was stilled. When he spoke, the leprous became clean. When he spoke, the paralyzed walked. When he spoke, the dead rose. Jesus Christ was was higher than any other part of creation. In his humanity, he was perfectly obedient to the Father. He showed the glory of the Father, and Jesus was humble. Jesus was all that Adam was created and designed to be. He was both high and humble, humble to the point of death, death on a cross. God the Son went to a tree. He went to a tree to pay the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve. John 1 puts it this way. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus, through whom all things were made, stepped into the world he created, high and humble. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, and he invites us to believe, to put our trust in him. And when anyone puts their trust in him, do you see what happens? We're restored to our high place as children of God. We're restored to our high place of being able to exercise dominion, to follow Jesus as workers in his world. We're restored to the high place so that we can follow Jesus in the humble way of dependence upon God for all things. So that we're able by the Spirit to humble ourselves before God and acknowledge it's you who have made us and not we ourselves. And through Christ, we have both our highness and our humbleness restored. And it doesn't happen because we decide. It happens because God births us, recreates us, generates life in us the same way he did in Genesis 1. And so we're born not of the flesh, nor of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's the language of a new creation, a new way of life, the high and humble life restored to humanity through God's working. Oh, the Bible's amazing. The story of the Bible is incredible. It says no to all the ancient myths. It says no to all the modern myths. It says you were made by God. It says God made everything from nothing, and it was good. The Bible teaches that we we have the privileged position of children of God in Christ. We've been restored. Oh, and we're longing, we're longing for the full restoration of all things. The best is yet to come. But armed with, with our identity as children of God, this high position as His image bearers, and, and armed with the humility that comes from dependence, born of the gospel, what are we to do? We're to go as His image bearers, as fishers of men. With the confidence born of our, our high position and the humility born of our low position of dependence, we're able to go to people and ask them, where do you think everything came from? What's your story? You say, well, what if I ask them and they, they just get it wrong? You listen. You're not undone. You're, you're in a high position. You're children of God. You know who you are and where you came from. And so you can be humble enough just to listen and make disciples Jesus style by willing to ask questions and listen to people you know, as you listen to people, they may say to you, well, you know, you asked me a question, where do you think everything came from? And you could tell them, I believe that God made all things from nothing, and it was good. 
And they might say, well, why do you believe that? And you could say, well, you know, it's funny you should ask. Our pastor is going to talk to us about that very thing next Sunday. Why don't you come and see? Let's pray. Jesus, in you is life, and the life is the light of men. Shine the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ into us so that we might know that you made all things. You made us after your own image. And even when we had transgressed, you at great cost to yourself came in the person of the Son, Jesus. In him, the one who had made all things, we are now able to be declared righteous, forgiven, adopted as children of God. If you're here this morning and and that's not how you would describe yourself, but you would like to know that you're forgiven and righteous and adopted into God's forever family, then won't you simply say to God, God, I, I admit, I've blown it. I've transgressed, I've sinned, and I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you died and you rose again. And as a first First, you call me out. I commit. I'll go your way. If you'd help me, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, you're first over all things. You're Lord. By you, all things were made. And in you, all things hold together. We worship you and thank you and pray in your name. Amen.